0: Welcome to Walking with God, Pat Berry and Jeff Quinto's podcast, where Pat and Jeff talk about their walk with Christ. My name is Jeff Quinto. And my name
1: is Pat Berry. Every couple of weeks, Jeff and I get together and talk about our walk with Jesus Christ, and we usually pick a topic and talk about it. So, Jeff, what are we talking about this week?
0: Well, I'll tell you what inspires this week's discussion is a discussion that I had with a friend of mine at church. Who was saying, you know, this virgin birth thing, d- do you believe in the virgin birth? You know, there's reasons not to believe in the virgin birth. I mean, you really? Know, yeah. The reasons like throughout uh, ancient history, there are other virgin birth stories. Okay. So this is not the only one. Our virgin birth story is not the only one. There are, there are others that come along, such as We have virgin birth stories that include Horus, the sun god of Egypt. We have Romulus and Remus, the founders of Rome. And many cultures had these virgin birth stories in their mythology. Well, but it's mythology. Yeah, it's mythology. Perhaps it's an echo of the truth. Perhaps, but... Still mythology. Yeah. And so did the writers of the New Testament make up this virgin birth story? And also we come to this that not all of the four Gospels speak to Jesus' birth. Only two of the four. Okay. Now, two of the four. And yet, John also speaks to an origin story. The first chapter of John is really an origin story, stating that Jesus was there at the beginning of the universe. So we have that. So really, I would say three out of four. But the two we're talking about are the specific ways in which God became man. And the virgin birth is an explanation of how God became man, both human and divine.
1: Okay, so this is—I think this is a good—a a good topic because I can see, and I, I know what you're talking about. I've—I've I've heard some people, um, people say, "Oh, this—this—there's no way this can be real. This is—it's in mythology. There's a lot of other stories about this, and on and on and on." To which the other stories, I see "Well, yeah, but." Their their mythology, and if if you believe scripture, if you believe the Bible, this is, this is kind of an important thing uh, in in the Christian faith. However, I can see a lot of people sitting in church on Sunday saying, "You know, I'm not I'm not real sure about that." But they're not going to say anything because it has been in church doctrine for so long. And quite honestly, let's let's be honest if if we have if we have questions about it. In a Christian church, you should be able to raise your hand and say, hey, I I don't get that. I don't understand that. Can you explain that to me? And depending on your church, you might get a great reaction, but you might not get a great reaction. And people are people, and they're worried about not getting a great reaction, which I understand. So for everybody that is questioning, hey, I don't know about this virgin birth thing that has has been scared uh, to ask about it. This might be uh, the next 15 20 minutes might be right up your alley here i've got a feeling <laughs> because we don't judge we will try to answer answer the question because quite honestly it is um it's it's an oddity it's never happened it never happened anywhere else in history yeah and it's it's uh, you do have to take a, a leap of faith
0: yes you do there's an interesting thing um, i was oh, listening to sermons by Eugene Peterson and i've been so shaped by it. These sermons so formed by many of the things that Peterson says. And the specific book that I'm listening to while I work out is called "When Kingfishers Catch Fire," and it's a series of, I think, 52 of his sermons. That is Eugene Peterson's sermons about various topics. And one of the things that he says is that we have these kinds of arguments, which I wouldn't call this an argument, but a discussion right now. But was the Virgin Birth real? Was it? Was it mythology? Did it actually happen in that way? Many times maybe all the time, practically, we lose track of the fact that God is present during these discussions. And so God is present in this, everything that you and I do right now, right here in everything that we do all day, all night, all of our lives. And so as we're talking about this, God is present. And so I think with that in mind, let's, stop for just a second. Let's pray for the Holy Spirit. Lord, would would your Holy Spirit come upon Pat and I, and would you help us to know what to say? You've said in Scripture that you will give us words to say when we need them. Lord, will you give us those words so we can understand them, and so we can communicate what this means. This virgin birth, particularly at this time, Lord, would you do that? In Jesus' holy and mighty name, amen. So, we have this idea that we don't understand the virgin birth. Scientifically, we don't understand it at all how the Holy Spirit came upon Mary and then she is with child. We're given no additional explanation beyond that really. Right. Except that we're told that it's true. It also is foundational for us because for Jesus to be both man and God there has to been a way that he became a man. That he didn't just appear. There's a there's a heresy from the second century called docetism that said that Jesus just seems to be human. We think that of heresy. He didn't just seem to be human. He was, in fact, human. And so how did he get to be actually human, not just seem to be human? And the the virgin birth explains that to us. But as I said at the beginning of this, I had a friend of mine come in and ask me about the virgin birth, and we talked about it a little bit. And he said, well, does your faith stand on this one fact alone? And actually, my faith stands on the fact that Jesus Christ was born... Was died, was resurrected, and now sits at the right hand of the Father Almighty. My faith is on that, and and I believe that to be entirely true, completely true, absolutely true. I'm basing my life on it. So I believe that part's true. So we add these other parts, say the virgin birth. The virgin birth helps us explain how this all works, God, both God and man. If I found out later that it was a sort of a metaphor or a method that God used so that he could give us something we could grasp upon, I wouldn't lose my faith. I would just say, you know what, I didn't understand that fully, prayerfully now that I do, um, I don't feel any different. And so to me it's it's foundational, but if I would find out later that it wasn't true, my faith would not stop at that point. So we have this kind of thing, it's a, it's a hard thing to do, and then we have this argument that I said a moment ago, that only two of the Gospels speak exactly to Christ's birth, that is, Matthew and Luke, and we say, well, how come they all didn't? Well... Why didn't they all, the other authors didn't feel it. it was important for them to mention that. Right. And also no one was there. There were no eyewitnesses that we know other than Mary that was part of the Jesus's public ministry that would have been there to testify to this. Correct. So they're speaking sort of secondhand um, as to exactly how it happened. Yes. Have you ever
1: heard of the, um, it's an author, uh, J. Warner Wallace, James, I think it's James Wallace. He was a former, former atheist detective for the Los Angeles Police Department, wrote a book called "A Person of Interest." He's written a couple other books, but he what he did is his, he investigated the Bible as an atheist and as a police detective to try to either prove or disprove Scripture. And one of the things I, if you hear an interview with him, one of the things that that he talks about is when he interviews eyewitnesses. You know how he can tell when there's when they're lying. No, when multiple eyewitnesses say the exact same thing. Yeah. So the the he said actually the the fact that the scriptures line up basically they tell the same stories but from slightly different perspectives they don't exactly line up. There's slightly different facts. This is one of them. It's not in all of them. He says in a court of law what which he was kind of addressing this to, that actually is a stronger case. Than if it was across all of them, everywhere. Which I, I, I thought that's very interesting. I'd never heard that before. It makes sense to me, and I think that's one of these things about scripture in general. But this is a great example of it because it isn't in all the scriptures. It isn't, uh, and it, it's not only in the New Testament. It's in the Old Testament too, because there's a there's a prediction in Isaiah of a virgin birth. It's Isaiah seven fourteen. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and you will call him Emmanuel. So that a virgin conceive and give birth. So I know that's you could still yeah. argue well, you know, it was it was some other method, but I think that's a pretty strong uh, indication of what we're talking about here about the the immaculate Conception and, like we said at the beginning, sometimes you do have to take it's it's a it's a it's a leap of faith for some of this stuff to, to that you actually believe it.
0: Yeah, it it is a leap of faith. And you know, interesting from this uh, Isaiah seven fourteen that you just quoted, uh, a virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and will call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us, and so here we have God with us. This is the foretelling of the Messiah, of the predicted Messiah and that he comes from a virgin birth and that he is god with us with jesus is that jesus is god with us we That's know, ex- exactly we're not confused on any any uh, certainly on the god with us part are we no we're not and i believe in the virgin birth because i think it makes sense of all that jesus did and said and how he came into the world both as god and man and so i'm not all that troubled by it to be honest I don't have to know how everything worked exactly, because for one thing, I don't think that I could understand how God created the universe. You know, we have this this vision that, three visions, if you will. One is that God didn't even create the universe, it just happened by happenstance. That seems ridiculous to me. That seems ridiculous to me also. For so many reasons. We have this idea that God created it exactly the way it says in Genesis 1. That he created in seven 24-hour days, and it was uh, created 4,300 years ago, and da-da-da-da. I don't believe that either. However, Genesis 1 is, in fact, a poem, and it's written to explain something that we're not able to understand. It's meant to to explain it in a way to us that will understand the essence of it, and that's what I think Genesis yeah. 1 does. It helps us understand the essence of creation, because the the exact parts of it are too complicated for us to, to understand. We can't even perceive it. How, can, right. how could the world be created in an instant by a breath? I mean, how could that be? It's interesting that science is sort of catching up to it now, right? Right. We have this Big Bang idea, this Big Bang theory. Well, that helps to explain. It actually brings us to back to Genesis 1. This is meant to be a poem explaining to us, helping us to perceive how creation works. So it gives us a, a way to do that. Now, we, we come back to the virgin birth, I believe it's true. I believe it's true. I believe it's true with all, with my whole heart because I think that's how it happened. If I should find out later, as I said a minute ago, that it happened in some slightly different way, I'm, I'm good.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think it did happen also with uh, with the, the virgin birth or the, the virgin conception. Uh, part of this is it, it does go back to faith. We keep coming back to this, that this is something that as human beings, we have a tough time wrapping our mind around. I understand that because I think it's human nature, especially uh, for people in the West, to say, "You know, how does that happen? How did that happen?" It's it's the how rather than the why. And it's a it's a slight variation, but it's a, it, or difference, mm-hmm. but it's it's an important difference because if you believe the scriptures, if you believe the Bible, it, this is a God who can speak it, and it is
0: mm-hmm. okay. So mm-hmm. he
1: can speak anything into existence, which is. Well, how does again, how does that work? Well, I I have no idea. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna trap and try to wrap my mind around it. As human beings, we want to understand everything. But I think when when you step out, uh take a step, a leap of faith, you aren't going to understand everything, at least not now, but that's okay. You don't have to understand how, you just have to understand that. This is who He was, that Jesus Christ was both God and man, that he, he did have the same things. He was like us. He felt, He bled, He was tempted, He ate, he slept, but he was also divine so he could die for, for us and overcome death and, and the resurre- and be resurrected uh, so we can have everlasting life. So all these things, they do work together. Uh, but how you get there is, is going to be kind of a journey. And it's okay, you know, if you are one of those people that are questioning it, um, it it's okay. It's okay. Hopefully this is helping you a bit.
0: Yeah. And th- there's nothing wrong with the questioning of it. That's, you know, we're meant to question. God gave us a brain, we're meant to use it. But we're also meant to call upon God to be part of this evaluation of things. Call upon God as we did just a minute ago. Holy Spirit come upon us to help us to understand this or help us to, to calm our spirits and understand what's important. What, what can we take this and use in our lives? How can we do this? And I think the thing we take in our lives that's most important is that Jesus was both human and divine. He was a human without sin. He was divine. He was God. He was God in the beginning, as John tells us, he, has been, he is God from the beginning to now, and he's with us through the Holy Spirit right here and right now, and we're, we're meant to be open to that. And the specifics, we're meant not to get so hung up on. You know, the Bethel series has a whole series of things that you actually just uh, quoted from the Bethel series a second ago, and that is this thinking Hebrew. You see, the original hearers of the Bible were Hebrews. It was The Bible was written in the 66 books. At least 64 of them were written by Hebrews, only two by possibly a non-Hebrew and the fact is so it was written to hebrews by hebrews and they had a different way of understanding to my thinking actually a more sophisticated way of understanding and that sophisticated way of understanding was that when they heard a given story they didn't think how did god do that they thought why did god do that the example of jonah and the great fish is a perfect example when we hear about jonah living for three days inside a great fish Immediately, what we think of is, well, how could somebody do that? I mean, that's just not possible. Da, 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 da. We just go round in circles. The Hebrews, who were the first hearers of this, would have heard that same story and reasoned, what is God trying to teach us through this? Why did God do this? So not the not the how, as you just said, not the how, which we think of, but the why. You know, this idea of the seeing the forest for the trees. I never actually understood as a kid what that phrase meant, the, seeing the forest for the trees, and I think that's what we do. We see all the individual trees and we overlook the forest. Absolutely. And, that, and that's what we do in these kinds of things. We get so hung up on these little things. There's a the whole thing going on now about deconstructing Christianity. And that is uh, people are taking different Christian facts and stories and breaking them apart into their smallest bits and saying, well, I don't think that's possible. That means the whole thing isn't true. And I think that is doing a, such a huge disservice to people because we're thinking of this all wrong. We're taking these little pieces and saying, ah, I don't believe that could be true, therefore the whole thing is not true, when in fact we should be saying, what are we trying to be taught by this? What is God trying to teach us that will make our lives better? And so that's where I think we we start this, as thinking Hebrew, as we call it in the Bethel series, and I think that's an important place to start. Now, I happen to believe that there was in fact a virgin birth the way it's described, and you feel the same way, Pat. Yep. But either of us, if we find out in glory that it was something slightly different than that, doesn't change anything i believe it's true i think that it is i'm i'm convinced that it is but my whole faith isn't based on that one fact and that's what people i think try to do they try to pull us in a direction and say aha can you see this this is not true it's, it's like these these scriptures that sometimes people say and they say oh well, this can't be true so the whole thing's not true just because you don't understand something doesn't mean it isn't true it For just point. means you don't understand it right and so We live in a world where we have to understand everything, that we're so smart and so modern and so wonderful, we feel like we can understand everything and we have to understand it. And the way we understand it is the only way it can be understood, all of which is nonsense. Exactly. Great points, Jeff, great points. And especially when we're dealing with
1: scripture, I think what we do, I'll do this often also. I will admit I've done this. I've fallen into this trap, so I know it's a trap that you can fall into as we read the Bible like we would read any other book. And we re- rely on our own intellect to understand it. And you cannot do that. You cannot do that. You need to. You need to be humble and you need to come to God to say, I don't understand this, show it to me. And he will show you Various items in his time. He has he has a reason to show you what he shows you, and where you'll be reading and reading. And all of a sudden, I've Jeff and I have had these discussions. I've laughed. I said, Jeff, I was reading, you know, some some piece of scripture, and I I, I read this passage that wasn't there yesterday. Well, of course it was there. <laughs> i just didn't see it i literally did not see it i didn't and when i say i didn't see it i read it but i didn't really understand it
0: absolutely
1: i didn't understand it and you have to open your heart to god you have to open up you have to it takes some humbling i and i get that too to admit hey you know what maybe my own intellect isn't enough to absorb what this book has to offer which is exactly correct because it's not if you rely on your own intellect for the Bible, you are going to get very little out of it. You have to be guided by the Holy Spirit. And that's, again, where it takes a leap of faith to say, okay, God, show me what you want to show me. And then things more and more will start making sense.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's something we all fall into, actually, because we, we're used to being in business and we're used to doing things in an, in an orderly basis. And the fact is, when we approach Scripture, we need to do it in a different way. Each of us need to do that particularly people like me because you know the bible's my business i mean it is and so this is the business that i'm in i'm in the business of the bible in a way and uh, it doesn't change the fact that we need to start prayerfully as we come to the bible we need to ask the holy spirit to be beside us as we as we read this to open these scriptures up to us and as we allow that they open up in ways we can't even imagine you know i i describe this book as the as the handbook for life, as the owner's manual, if you will. And that's what it is. That's what it's meant to be. And but what happens is we want to prove it wrong. You know, like this virgin birth thing we've been talking about for this last couple of minutes. You know, well, that can't be right. Well, why? You know, what tells you it can't be right? I mean, really, what why couldn't it be right? Because we can't imagine it. Yeah, because we can't imagine it. That's I can't imagine how God created the universe in an instant. And however he did it. But he did it. He did. Yeah. So just because I can't imagine it doesn't mean it isn't imaginable. It doesn't mean it isn't true. Right. It just means I can't imagine it. Right. <laughs> and so there we have it as we as we come back to this idea of this virgin birth. As I said, I believe on faith that is true. And I believe that Jesus was completely human and completely divine. And I see it again and again in scripture and importantly, I see how it plays out in my life, this belief system, this Christianity, how it has played out in my life in ways that I couldn't even imagine. And there it is. And in the lives of, of literally hundreds of people I know whose lives are formed by Christianity in ways that they would not be otherwise. The people that I know in, in Kenya, I'm thinking particularly of one place where we visited something called the, the Little Angels Center for Orphans and Vulnerable Children and it's run by a lady by the name of Sister Magdalene and it is about 54 orphan kids and a couple of older ladies and some younger people and they've got these beautiful children and the beautiful children are just God's gift to the world and this woman has devoted her life to this and they they don't have any particular money and we send them money when we can and and they're just overjoyed and they tell you what they spend it on and it's such what would seem to be such simple things as hospital bills or, you know, food or whatever, you know, she is living out what we should all live out, and that is this complete devotion to the Lord and, and putting works to their faith, joining both their faith, which is strong, and works with our, which are important and effective. That's what I think we're supposed to do. So, as you, as you take on this whole mass of Christianity, this whole idea of Christianity, I think what you have to do is you have to look at the whole of it, And as I look at the whole of it, I think of, as I'm talking about right now, uh, Sister Magdalene, I mean, there wouldn't be an orphanage were it not for her. There wouldn't be an orphanage were it not for her and her Christian faith. It isn't just some sort of secular thing that she did because this would be a good business for her to be in the orphanage business in the middle of nowhere in Kenya is a good business. I don't think so. (laughs) Mm, wouldn't think so. Nope. No, they're not going to franchise that. No, no. (laughs) Here we have this business. We'll live in eternal poverty, but we're going to help people. Well, that's what they do, and that's what she does, and it's an inspiration to see these people whose lives are completely formed by their faith and informed, both formed and informed by their faith, and that's who we should be, and we spend so much time debating different things that are just picayune little things, such as this virgin birth. I'm not saying it's a Pickyune thing. But what I mean is we we argue about that and we overlook the most important things. We're arguing about the trees, and there's a whole forest for us. Right. And that's where I think we should be, particularly in this season. We're recording this during the almost the start of Christmas season. And the reality is that this is the season for us to be closer to the Lord, to, to bring ourselves closer to the Lord as we celebrate His birth and as we celebrate the the faith that we have that we continue to have that that will change the world i agree that's a,
1: that's a wonderful wonderful thing i can't add anything to that <laughs> <laughs> i was i was sitting here just say i agree i agree with everything <laughs> we said we do we do need to we do need to get there i will i will say <laughs> that in, in places like Kenya and India, where we've had, um, a couple of, of, of instances where we've, we've had some interactions with Christians in those countries, it really, it's, it's very humbling, um, to see where we are in the United States and what we call Christianity in the United States. And I, I'm, I'm not saying that, you know, um, that we are on a an easier path, although we are, but we're, we're on a different path because it's, it's much different for us to wake up and say a prayer and be thankful to God, knowing that we're in a warm house and we have plenty of food and we have a job and we have a car that we can just hop into and go anywhere. Uh, and we have transportation, all kinds of things that we have here in the United States, where I know there's there's Christians in India and Africa that are that are waking up, praying to God for sustenance for that day. And on top of that, having to worry about possibly being in jail or being killed for their faith. And that's a, that is a totally different level of, of faith and belief. And it's something that I try to keep in mind, especially here in the United States. I think the danger for American Christians, and I think maybe you're seeing it somewhat, is that we're getting to the point where we don't quote unquote need God because our lives are so easy. And that's a dangerous point to
0: get to it is it is a dangerous point and it's a point where it's where it's where we are we don't have the same life experience that uh, people do the people i'm describing in kenya and you've talked about in india people that we know well we have a different experience in a way i envy them because they have these they don't have as many distractions as we do and so they're able to be focused in mm-hmm. a a good and positive way they don't have all the things that that we have and therefore what they have is more important, and it is, in fact, more important because it's their faith. So we, we, we come back now to this idea of the virgin birth, and as we celebrate the virgin birth of our Lord Jesus in this Christmas season, Merry Christmas, Pat. Oh, well, Merry Christmas, Jeff. Uh, let me be the first to wish you a Merry Christmas. Thank you. <laughs> you know, Pat and I started this based on a quote from C.S. Lewis, and the quote is, Christianity, if false, is of no importance, and if true, of infinite importance, The only thing it cannot be is moderately important you see that's just the truth of it the fact of the matter is that if this christianity is just a made-up mythological thing if all these things are untrue then it doesn't make any difference but if it is true it makes infinite difference and both pat and i believe this christianity is true and therefore it is of infinite importance i pray that you come to the point if you are not already there that you realize that this Christianity, we believe, is of infinite importance and worthy of basing our whole life upon. Will you join me in prayer? Lord, we thank you for your teaching. We thank you for these stories in the Bible that explain how Jesus became both God and man. Lord, we know that he is, we know that he was, and we know that he will be. Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for you, the Father. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the Holy Spirit here with us today. Lord, may you be with us in all that we do, and may Our words be your words. In Jesus' holy and mighty, mighty name, amen. Amen.